0: Well, welcome back. It's been a kind of an interesting week, kind of long, actually. A lot of phone calls, a lot of people talking, a lot of uh, misinformation out there about a uh, coronavirus. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Uh, Actually, we'll talk a lot about that today. So there's a lot of issues there coming up with um, that type of um, of occurrence. And it's not the first time that we've had this. And, you know, every time you say that, Got, there are actually a lot of people just, um, uh, um, uh, they're very nervous, you know, and they get worried a lot and it's a, yeah, or they're easily worried. And those are the ones that are actually suffering the most right now. I feel kind of bad for them because the, the blitz on this has been just incredible. All the information that's out there, all the misinformation that's out there in, uh, the impact that it's actually had on the stock market. A couple of things I'd like to actually point out about that too is that the volume has not been very high up until Friday and the market opened down a lot, went down, reversed, and came up back and closed near its high of the day. Now, I'm going to point that out two or three times on today's radio program because when you've had a big correction like we've had, that's typically how uh, many of the ends begin. You get a large volume day, where the volume's more than two times. I think it was about two and a half times its average daily volume, and the market reverses correction and then uh, direction, and then closes near the high of the day. So, if you know, it, there are signs, it, nothing is foolproof in the market. By the way, but all other things being equal, I'd much rather see that happening. <laughs> Than something else, and uh, so that part of it, from a purely technical standpoint, just observing how prices have a tendency to move uh, in stock prices, that that's encouraging. That's very encouraging, and you look back at where the market is, uh, and yeah, it's, it's actually it, it attained this level briefly in 2017, and then again in 2018. And then it had, you know, in two thousand eighteen, there was a twenty percent correction right near the end of the year. Let me say that again: near the end of the year, two thousand eighteen, there was a twenty percent correction. And last year was yeah, but it did so well last year. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. It's it's a very jagged path. Higher, the fact that people are upset that the market's down now, when the market value is twenty nine fifty four, or the S and P anyway. It's 2,954, know that's pretty interesting because in 2015, it was only 2,000. That's still nearly a 50% move up. Okay, so when you look at it from that perspective, people are like, oh, (laughs) yeah. It's a lot higher than it was four or five years ago. And this is one of the other things I'd like to point out. It's one of the reasons that you hold bonds, If you look at the short-term bonds in portfolios, they haven't budged or they're actually up a little bit. In fact, bonds now, if you go back to 2017, have actually outperformed stocks since 2017. What year is it again? 2020? Okay, So this is why you have some bonds in your portfolio. Uh, Now, when the market was going up, by the way, when it was going up, It was beating the dog out of the bonds. (laughs) It it wasn't even remotely close, and it never will be. But stocks are long-term investments, really long-term. And by the way, if you've got a phone call, question, or comment, you can call us 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. If you have a question that you don't want to call on the radio and you want to ask me, you can go to my website. There's a contact, and you can send in a question. I will tell you this, that every time I've said that, I've gotten a couple of inquiries and people forget to write the question that they have in. And so that's, that's pretty funny. The, uh, there's, I have a question, but I don't want to tell you what it is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The, uh, anyway, you can call in today, 216 And, uh, I don't have the name of whoever's calling up on there. So that would be very helpful. <laughs> the, uh Okay. So I, this is Richard. Richard. Hey, how you doing?
2: Yeah, this is Richard. I'm the one who likes 100% stock. Yep. And um, so the fact that the market went up Friday a lot uh, just illustrates why you've got to be in the market all the time. Because if the thing collapses or goes down like it did, then uh, there's only going to be three or four days where it really comes back. Right. And apparently Friday was one of them. So... If you sold it when it was too
0: low, you're out, you know. Yeah, and uh, whether or not this is the bottom, who really knows? But and and I agree with what you're saying. And the the idea is that you go into the stock market knowing that it's gonna fluctuate a lot. That you have to Well, go, it
2: does fluctuate a lot. A lot. But that's not to be worried about. I regard it as less risky to have a hundred percent stock because I mean, as long well, as we have economic growth in the economy, of course.
3: Yeah,
0: And right. it also well, depends on how much money you have and how much money you're taking out of it. Because if you started in March of 2000 and you started taking out 5% a year and then you start increasing that for inflation, and here we are in 2020, you had 250% it drops, you probably ran out of money a few years ago.
2: Yeah, no, that was a bad one. It finally came up again in 2003, right?
0: No, the 2003 was the bottom. So it started in March of 2000 and it bottomed in March of 2003 and it took it uh, up until 2007 to recover and then as soon as it oh, recovered great. it went down 50% again. <laughs> so if your yeah, timing I is off so so. if your timing is off and you're taking out more than 4% or so you could end up running out of money completely. So you got to be you know, careful I'm with taking
2: that. Taking out 3%, 3% normally.
0: Yeah, so the average person uh, won't be able to do that cuz that means $30,000 on a million bucks. And the average well, right, but, Yeah, so if you're not I
2: got uh, a bigger account for that, Right.
0: So so that's good for you and I I agree completely with what you're saying, but it depends on how much money you have and how much you have to take out. You got to be really careful Well, with that.
2: right, of course. Yeah. Yes, of course.
0: Yeah. But I yeah, I would or, I got I'm 80% long. I'm always 80% long the uh, 80% invested in stocks and I I'll take the 20% in and invest it in the market. So there are times when I'm less than 20% in cash. Okay. And that's uh that's just how I am at some point in time. I'll probably uh, take that back. When I retire, I'll probably be a traditional 65, 35 or I'm 65% stock and everybody's a little bit different. Uh, everybody's got a little different understanding, risk tolerance. They're, Their financial situation really dictates an awful lot of how they should be invested, especially when they get to retirement age, because the last thing you want to do is run out of money, and you can...
2: Right. Well, it it all depends how much money you have, but um, uh, the stock market has turned 8 or 9% over 300 years.
0: Um, so that's why I, I'm in 100%
2: spot.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And uh, I think it's a, a great thing. There are some funds out there that you can invest in that actually have dividend yields right around 2% right now, which is higher than a CD is. Uh, the companies that they invest in have very solid uh, financials because that's how they're selected. They They select them first based on how healthy they are financially. And then they start to use yeah. the dividend yield. And I think that's a great strategy. I have about three different types of funds. They come at it from three different angles. And so there's a level of diversification there that's really tough to get if you're trying to do this on, on your own. And there, there's a really good chance that those funds, uh, I stopped trying to put those portfolios together about three or four years ago, mainly because these other funds had come out and had lasted long enough and had gotten enough money under management so that I was pretty confident that they weren't going to go away because that had happened to me several times where I'd invested in a fund that was a great idea. I know on paper it was wonderful. Nobody else realized what a good idea it was. The fund didn't get big enough to pay its own expenses, and they had to shut it down. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, that that used to happen like all the time. And and for a long time it made me stop wanting to use the uh, exchange rate funds at all and uh, but now it's it, it's a different day the the past five or six years
2: all right, well well ever since Trump's been elected, we've had about two hundred new highs in the market
0: yeah i i don't think i i think the um the president is kind of like the quarterback on a football team. If the quarterback's really good but he doesn't have much of a an offensive line, they're going nowhere you know We're all right ask any ask any quarterback that's played for the Cleveland browns.
2: <laughs> uh, no but, no no baker mayfield uh he he was great when he first started out because he was releasing the ball very
0: fast well but nobody now had any doesn't. film on him though. now he doesn't he gets nah, nobody they have film on him now they didn't know they weren't prepared for him when you don't have film on a on a player it's it's really easy for that player to do really well for a while <laughs> but see, yeah, that, but
2: anyway, one thing that people could do if they don't have too much money and they are afraid of the market, just buying those dividend-paying stocks, they don't go down as much. Yes, they do. You know?
0: I hate to disagree it, with you, you, but I can prove it to you. They go down well, a lot.
2: Put in, well, put in the ones that pay the most. Like uh, IBM uh, hasn't done well, but it pays a huge dividend.
0: Yeah, and uh, IBM's share price is the same place it was fifteen years ago. Yeah, yes, uh,
2: no, it, uh, they they're having problems with it, but um, you know, I it's recovered a number of times, and I expect it will one day. But
0: yeah, it, it's a uh, it's actually right around the price where it was back in the late nineties. The uh, and you know it looks at two thousand twenty now. So that this is my point. I would much prefer you have access now. To portfolios it just did not exist a decade ago. They weren't here. You couldn't invest that way. And now right, you can. Well, now well, you can.
2: Owns, hardly anybody owns IBM now. because well, it, it's in it, a lot of... You said it hasn't gone up.
0: Yeah, it, it's in a lot of exchange-traded funds. Now, here's the difference. An exchange-traded traded fund will probably have a profit in IBM over the last 20 years, or the last 10 years, Because actually 10 years ago, it was right where it is now. So over the last 10 years, they will more than likely have some sort of profit in it because every time it dipped, they ended up buying it. And when it rallied and become too large a percentage of the original allocation, they took some profits on it. And it's math. It's just math. So you can have a stock that goes sideways, but you can still have profits in it because they don't go sideways flat. They fluctuate a lot. When they're down, that it automatically purchases shares. When it goes up, it cuts it back. And you don't even have, nobody has to know when it's going to go down or when it's going to go up. You do it just as rebalancing the portfolio, which is awesome. That is, that's the biggest, that's the only free lunch you're ever going to get from the stock market is rebalance your portfolio. That, that will guarantee that over a long time period, your average cost, well, you're not allowed to guarantee anything, but your average cost is more than likely going to be lower than your average price, and you'll have a profit in there even if the stocks were flat. you know, uh, If you, they started off where they ended up, because they don't go there straight, they fluctuate like crazy, and those fluctuations offer the opportunity to get those share prices. And when the price goes down, you know this as well as anybody, the dividend yield is actually higher, right? So that's a good thing. In uh, yeah,
2: but I, hardly anybody owns IBM now because it hasn't done well for ten years or so. You know? well, yeah,
0: individual <laughs> investors but still have,
2: paying a really nice dividend. Yeah, now.
0: and it it is a part of multiple exchange traded funds. IBM's in a ton of them, so the you,
2: if, you say some people you know own it, some exchange traded funds?
0: Well, there are multiple funds that own that stock. And mainly, yeah, oh. yeah, mainly because, because
2: they just think it's going to recover eventually. No, it no does, it's but. actually,
0: they, they do it by math. They they don't really look, they don't make a projection as to where they think IBM is going to be. They say IBM is, is this, it's kind of like watching. If you don't want to get wet by the rain, look out the window before you leave your house and just look at the, see where it is right now. What's happening right now. And that's how funds operate. They say, okay, IBM is paying a really good dividend. They've got sales of X. They've got debt levels of this level. Okay, we need to own a portion of IBM. When the share price goes up, that yield goes down. It may not qualify, so they may cut it back, and that's typically what happens. They'll take profits on those stocks because the dividend yield moves opposite the share price. When the share price goes up, the dividend yield goes down. They're going to take some profits on IBM. When IBM goes back down again... And then the dividend yield is up again. They'll they'll automatically rebuy that, and they do that because computers are running and they're not thinking about it.
2: Those yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah those people that think about it end up missing all that.
2: Yeah, well, right now they've got uh, a new new management. You know, there was a woman running it. Mm-hmm. And now there's uh, they've appointed someone new, so we can hope he buys it. Okay, well, thank you so much. <laughs> hey, for thanks
0: you. for calling. Have a good day. Okay. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I got Jerry. Jerry, you're on the lookout for, well, hey, uh, not good, on the lookout for the
1: morning. <laughs> yes, good, good morning, William. Uh, I am calling this morning to discuss the SECURE Act and its effect on the uh, IRAs. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, one of the provisions, of course, I think most people realize this, that you can delay your uh, mandatory <laughs> withdrawal till, what is it, 72 now?
0: 72, yep.
1: Okay. The thing I found out, and I'd like you to confirm, is that there is no longer a uh, age limit on contributions <laughs> you can put into a standard IRA. Is that correct?
0: I didn't see that in the uh, uh, SECURE Act. I will take a look at it. But... If you have earned income, I mean, mm-hmm. I would think that you could still take a tax deduction for the contribution, but you still have to take money out.
1: Understood. Yeah. Understood. But it's it's still limiting the amount of uh, taxation that you're going to be subject to. Yeah, you right? could be
0: offsetting some of it. Yeah. So I have to check on that. I I did not look into that. You're the first person that's ever asked me that. Well,
1: I I, <laughs> saw, I saw it on a printed publication that I was... Uh, a recipient of. Oh. I find it Well, if it's in wait, print,
0: I, it must be true. <laughs> well,
1: I, that's, Bill, I'm calling you because you're the man to
0: know. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to look it up. Hey, Jerry, can you hang on a second? got to take a real quick commercial break. I'll be, oh, right, sure. I'll be right back. Okay, thanks. Listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. We're back. It's Bill Bullington I'm here every Saturday morning from eleven to noon. Hey, listen, if you'd like to talk about your personal financial situation and uh, just want to give me a call and set up a, a free meeting, that it's awesome. Uh, that's what we're here for. Try to help you out in uh, these turbulent times. And by the way, <clears throat> there have been some signs that we may have just passed the bottom. Uh, we may have just passed the bottom. Now, nothing in the stock market is going to be guaranteed ever. But there are certain things that tend to happen that that lead you to believe that uh, yes, I've seen this before, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about those things later in today's show. Uh, but right now, I got to go back to the phones. And if you'd like to call us 216-901-0945, and I got uh, Jerry. Jerry, I, I'm sorry. The uh, uh, no,
1: that that's, that's fine, William. We were talking about the Secure Act, yeah. and uh, one the age has changed, but. Well, the ages change as far as uh, when you can, when you have to start pulling money out of there. But it says what I've read is that's unlimited. The age that you can put money into is unlimited as long as you have earned income.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, and
1: that, that that surprises me. That would kind of negate the effects of uh, or the benefits of a Roth IRA, wouldn't
0: it? Um. No, the Roth IRA is a different animal altogether. Because uh, the Roth IRA, you don't get a tax break, but you also don't have to pay any money on the taxes coming out of it. So it's a different animal, really.
1: Um, oh, it, it is, but uh, if well, it depends if you're putting money into an IRA to defer taxes as opposed to just get the money out later on. Uh, it's I guess it's two different right. things, but I would I would think it would cut into the Roth IRA at least from some of our. Yes.
0: Oh, I'm sure some people. It probably makes more sense for you. You kind of have to take it on a one by one basis and try to figure that out. The uh, I could see see where if somebody was still working and wanted to take that contribution, uh, and mm-hmm. actually, there's a level where if your income is uh, uh, qualifies, you could actually max out on a 401k and take an IRA deduction, even if you were 75. You know, so That's- that would be cool.
1: <laughs> sure. I, I mean, if you. Get it, at my age, say if you get into a second career, uh, it's it's very and it's somewhat lucrative. It, it would make sense as long as you have assets.
0: Yes, and uh, you might even even for uh, somebody who is self-employed like that. There's a solo 401k that you can put up to oh I forget what it is. It's uh, the 19 plus six plus 24 25 thousand dollars. So the first 24 wow. 25 thousand dollars that you made, it it's not a percentage. It's basically you can put the whole thing in there. And uh, mm-hmm. not have to pay tax, and then you can still do the IRA as long as your income is below certain levels. At least that's my understanding today. The uh, and uh, so you can actually shelter in, in an enormous amount of money in your seventies. <laughs> that's
1: right, that's that's what I understand. Uh, so anyhow, then the second thing I was listening yesterday. I just getting back to perhaps hopefully the bottom may have been touched uh there was i don't know who it was it was on one of the business programs that if you look at all of the uh uh health issues we had SARS so forth and so on sure. uh that i think it was within uh four months after they had been they had dissipated that the stocks were higher a hundred percent of the time than when it had occurred and uh, by a significant margin
0: well here's something that's uh between you and I and everybody that's listening <laughs> the uh, if you looked at the this correction uh i mean it is it's been really fast it's come down really hard so i got stopped out of i don't know probably a third of the stocks that i, I own i'm going to turn around and start to buy some back but here's the thing the volume uh every day on the s&p has increased the volume was the heaviest on friday the market gapped down Went down further, reversed, and by the end of the day, closed almost at the high of the day. If you go to look at technical analysis uh, books, look up the term "selling climax." Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what one of those looks like. Now, it doesn't always mark the bottom, but no, yeah. but you know, all the other things being equal. That's kind of a good sign. And it also if you look if if you are a chartist out there, and I'm 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 kind of a chartist, the uh it went right back into the old support areas of August through September of last year.
3: So uh-huh. you can also
0: so you got that going for you. So everybody that reads charts out there that that manages money for a hedge fund or you know, a bank is is looking at this and they're going, Hey, <laughs> there might be something there. But, uh, the other thing is that you're starting to get stories that are coming from, um, companies that are semiconductor, not semiconductor, um, my mind's going on me. Uh, they're biotech companies. And in fact, there's a, uh, um, this is interesting. This was just on CNN's website. So, uh, although I'll just read you the story. It's what to know about the coronavirus, uh, what we know about potential coronavirus. Uh, coronavirus virus vaccines and treatments. I can't speak today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although phys- physicians still have no vaccine or cure for the novel uh, coronavirus, health officials and pharmaceutical companies around the world are working hard to develop them. You can bet that for you know for sure. The, uh, oh yeah. th- there is an enormous amount of money at stake here, so these guys are are busting. They're working around the clock to do this. But anyway, more than. 20 potential vaccines aimed at preventing the coronavirus disease are in development. That's probably a much lower number than the actual number. Anyway, the World mm-hmm. Health Organization's Director General said Friday, uh, health officials have said consistently it's going to take at least a year. Uh, some of the other um, treatments uh, aimed at healing patients or alleviating the symptoms are already in clinical trials. So Wow. Yeah. If anybody wants to, me, I can send you the link. If you hear this, just go to my website and say, Hey, can you send me the link to that? And, I, and I'll send you the link to this, uh, uh, story. But anyway, there's an existing antiviral drug and I don't know how to pronounce it. So I'm going to skip it, but right. <laughs> it, it's showing signs of helping to treat this new coronavirus. And the company that makes it, it's funny. It's a, uh, there was a company out of, uh, Israel actually that was working on similar coronaviruses and they were talking about I, I, just I've how yeah, yeah they, it was interesting that they thought that this is very lucky for them can you imagine but uh anyway oh. they've got a uh rather
1: fortuitous. pardon me i said rather fortuitous oh yeah
0: the um so there's a lot of information out there and this is typically what happens you, you get a uh a, a problem like this there is a vaccine It's very upsetting, especially when you see the stock market falling as quickly as it has. I mean, the most of this correction has come in a few days. I mean, just a few days. So that, to me, that's not a uh, that's not a logical thing. That that's a fear based.
1: Emotional,
0: yes, right.
1: Fear and and greed—that's what drives the market.
0: And you know what? Though it's actually given people an opportunity. Those people that have been sitting on their hands for the past year or so. Uh, yeah. guess, guess what? You got another chance and, and guess yeah. what? You know, the market's actually, it's actually back to where it was at the beginning of 2018. So you're, you're looking wow. at a, uh, yeah. So this is really a, really another, a good opportunity. There are companies out there that that are very close to coming up with the solution for this. There's are 7,000 yeah. or 7,000. There are seven. Yeah. There are 7,000 million. That's 7 billion. <laughs> There's 7 billion people on the planet that still need to eat, that still are going to want to wear some clothing, you know, have entertainment, just live lives normally. And uh, uh, this this is probably one of the fewer opportunities you'll have in the next 5 to 10 years. I don't want to say I'm glad to see it, but uh, I was getting kind of worried about the valuations on stocks. Those worries are gone. (laughs) <laughs> there were yeah, all, there yeah. were only a few of them that were uh, really overpriced, but uh, so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic right now. And here's I another really thing bad. one one of the reasons I still run scans and you know Mike uh, Seeger, the guy that runs the Lookout for the Bull website, that's actually his baby. I've actually turned all of it over to him now. He's doing a great job, and uh, I still use it. I'm running those same scans. I'm looking at the same stocks every day. On Friday, 75. That's a huge list of stocks that came up. On Friday, There were 75. Now, what's uh, a little upsetting is that he didn't publish 75 on Friday because somewhere over the weekend, they updated their database and a, a larger number made the scan than was available yesterday. Now, that makes me a little upset. <laughs> yeah, so. that makes me very upset actually uh, uh, but, but well, the, what, the I was du-
1: just going to ask you, um, what uh, groups would you say Well, you probably know what What groups have really gotten hammered the worst in the last uh, week and a half that were probably if you'd be buying a basket would you be looking at
0: probably the semiconductors
1: ok you've been big on those for a while huh? yeah
0: and they've taken a whack so it's a uh, that that's you know that's not going to affect them and this is not going to affect them at all. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just, just the fact that they're down uh, is mind boggling. That they're down actually they're down more than the market is. Yep, yeah yep, they're yep. down about fifteen percent and they had a huge reversal day on Friday. So uh, they all came out went down a whole lot and they actually end up closing higher than they had opened that day. So that's pretty okay. good. Um, yeah. are,
1: there, are there any semiconductors that pay a decent uh, dividend that uh, you would say is a, you know, one to look at?
0: Well, the, the semiconductor stocks that are paying in dividend are, are paying okay. the dividend because their growth is pretty slow. Okay. So they're not in the fastest growing sectors of the semiconductor industry. Uh, if they were in the fastest, they wouldn't be paying a dividend. They'd be reinvesting to to, of, to do more business. Of,
1: to, of course,
0: yeah. So, so um,
1: you're, you're saying that the ones I'm I'm gonna paraphrase you. I would assume you're saying the ones that have gotten hammered the worst would be the growth, and the ones that were paying dividends probably were damaged a little less.
0: Right, and it's it's, <laughs> it's only a very little
2: atypical.
1: Yeah, that's very typical.
0: Yeah. And so. it, it's not a whole lot less either because, you know, that's that was, uh, it used to be very true that there were differences in stocks based on dividends and non dividends, but the non dividend paying stocks typically are you know, your smaller caps and um, mid caps, and the uh, dividend paying stocks are typically large caps. The, the sure. vol- volatility levels have come so so much closer over the past five or 10 years. And I really, I think it's because the ETFs have grown so fast relative to all the other stocks. So what really matters most now is size. And the bigger companies uh tend to, in the long run, they're not going to grow as fast. But they can outperform the smaller companies now for several years in a row. It depends on how much money keeps flowing into financial markets. Because now most of it's being... uh pushed into a market cap weighted fund, whether it's a small cap, mid cap, large cap, whatever, they're still using market cap weighting. That is, that's kind of distorted things somewhat. So you can get a lot of companies, larger companies who aren't growing that fast and aren't even paying a dividend and they're still more resilient than a a mid cap company who pays a nice dividend, who's got a nice business model. But because that other stock is bigger than they are, they're going to get a larger percentage of every dollar that comes into the stock market. And that's just, that's kind of weird. The, um, sure. you know, really shouldn't work that way, but that's just a structural side effect of how the industry's currently, uh, being managed. But anyway, after, I've done a lot. Oh, I, what I was going to tell you is that the scan that I ran, there's 75 stocks on it on Friday. You know, I ran mine Saturday, by the way. Uh, Friday, Friday during the day, there weren't that many stocks on it. That, that really upsets me, by the way, that, uh, that takes that long to update. But anyway, and, and I'm looking down through the names of a lot of these companies. I see uh Unisys, uh, is actually top of the list because it's got the lowest valuation. Uh, and the chart looks like a, a classic. It was a, uh, a gap up, came back down, didn't fill the gap yet in, uh, the price to sales ratio on that thing is 0.13. So that, that's kind of interesting. 0.13. The average for the industry, average for the stock market is two. I would say, yeah. So 0.13, yeah, I'll take a shot at that. The In uh, a company called Delphi, they make uh, uh, all kinds of stuff, mainly for uh, auto manufacturing. Point...
1: I was going to say that probably has, is related to the old Delphi uh, out of war. Yeah, yep, it.
0: absolutely. And uh, yeah. that one's at 0.26 but those are some old school uh stocks and you've got stocks like flowers one 800 flowers the uh that chart looks it looks really good its price to sales ratio is 0.71 long term average is two you got some new companies showing up there stitch fix which is relative it's almost that thing's brand new it's uh they're an online clothing Uh, company it's not well it's not brand it's been around for a a little while it came public in 2017 near the end of the year but uh, um, that thing's been bouncing around pretty good Uh, its price to sales ratio is only 1.4 and uh, just a whole bunch of stocks uh, that have really good valuations and now they're starting to move again the fact that you've gotten this many stocks showing up on one of those scans is a very positive sign uh, the number of stocks showing up on scans in two thousand nine started to uh, started to explode in the the last month of March. I am sorry, mm-hmm. last month of February and all through March, it, it expanded. That happened to be the bottom of the two thousand nine correction, and uh, so there are a lot of similarities. Now, that's all I am saying. There are a lot of similarities. I would not be trying to go to cash right now. I would just i give it a, a few more weeks. Take a look at it. Relax. Try to breathe deep. <laughs> I know it's hard. Right,
1: well, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's reason to be cautiously optimistic. I would, yes. I would agree with you yep. on that. So, yeah. All righty, William. Have a great weekend.
0: Hey, thanks for calling, Jerry. Yeah, take like care. You. Bye. I got a real quick commercial break coming up here to listen to Bill Bullington 1420. Stay tuned because I'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you'd like to get in touch with me to talk about your own personal financial situation, uh, feel free to go to my website and reach out there, and somebody will give you a call back as quickly as possible. And uh, these days, it might take us a day or two because my phone is blowing up (laughs) during the day, which is fine. That's actually what we're here for. Anyway, I've got uh, Andy on the phone. Andy, you have a question or comment?
2: Yeah, Bill. Um I wanted to get your thoughts on something. Um, Would you say that the S&P 500 be a good way to ride this recovery back to the top?
0: I think it's as good as a lot of them, probably better than most, or many, I should say. Um, And uh, there are lots of different ways to do it. You know, there's tons of ways. There is a model that I'm, I was going to make available to anybody that heard this and requested it, and it's a uh, it's I have about eighty percent of my money in this. I have about eighty percent of my stock money. I have twenty percent of my stock money in a portfolio that's that's mostly um, high dividend paying stocks, and I, I built to be more of a defensive portfolio that would bounce back a little bit quicker. But this one is one for it's a very simple one for people who are really interested in maximum growth. So if you're 10 years or longer away from retirement or you just want to take a small portion of your money and do this, I've got this illustration. Anybody that calls in, I will send it to them. It's uh, from Morningstar. Uh, I went back. I put this together. The uh, The funds that are available have only been available since 2011. Okay, so it's 2020 now. Um, some of the funds didn't exist before 2011, so I went back to the common date when all the funds that are were available and uh you put a uh 100 hundred thousand bucks in there and uh actually uh, i'm not supposed to talk about performance on the uh it's just let me tell you that it's got good performance <laughs> and uh if you want to copy of that what i did was i took the russell mid cap value and growth indexes there there are funds that represent those now and then i put that together with the semiconductor model that i run uh, and I split it up between those two. I put 70% in Russell mid cap, mid cap value and mid cap growth. I'm sorry. And then I put 30% in this and you, I, I, I'm not allowed to talk about performance. I'm just telling you, you'll like it. If you see this report, you'll really like it. I think it's very appropriate for where we are right now. And 35% of the money, by the way, the, the Russell mid cap value is a uh, it pays a dividend that's higher than most CDs are. So that's pretty good. Yeah.
1: You agree that um, the large caps are going to be leading the charge
2: back on this recovery?
0: Well, then most, more often than not, they do. Uh, mainly because it's the easiest way to invest your money. The, uh, it's a liquidity issue. It's not where they're going to be, you know, five, ten years from now. People are looking at, I need exposure right now, and it's a whole lot easier to buy the large company stocks without having too big of an impact on the market yourself than it is to buy smaller company stocks. However, You know, if you're picking stocks, the stocks that right now that are are leading the recovery as of Friday are small and mid-cap. There are very few large-cap stocks that are leading the charge. But that might change, and that could change. In fact, the small mid-cap and international markets back in 2009 started six weeks to a month before the S&P 500 did. So... The, uh, every, every time is a little bit different. You just Mm -hmm. have to, and I don't think that you'll do wrong, uh, going with all the, the investments that we just talked about. I think those are all fine.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Very good, Bill. Thanks
0: very much. Have a good weekend. And I got Walter. Walter, thanks for waiting patiently.
3: Yeah, Bill. Um, this sell off this week. Right. I would say, uh what took me aback about it, how basically everything sold off, you know, uh, even the de- defensive ones, which I look at, yeah. they sold off.
0: Yeah. That, that's how you know that computers are running the show now. <laughs> they, I guess they, they really are. They, they don't, they don't say, okay, well, I like this one. I'm going to keep that. That was like more than 10 years ago. Now the computers and they just hit the button and they just mass liquidation. In that so, yeah. Uh
3: little update on um uh a while back I called you about MLP I was looking at or some of them. Sure. And uh I'm with Ameritrade. Okay. And uh you said that Fidelity doesn't I think allow you to buy MLPs now
0: in an IRA.
3: Okay. Uh Ameritrade said no problem as long as you don't short them.
0: Right. Oh, that's okay. yeah. So well, I, you'd have to have they'd have to be available to be shorted to begin with. But the uh um yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. Fidelity just doesn't want it in an IRA. You can buy them, or you, you can actually short them if you wanted to, but if it's not in an IRA.
3: Okay. Um, I would say, you know, to anybody out there, I heard some of your callers, how would you buy, you know, the market, hoping it will go up? I would look at the good dividend paying stocks right now. That's the easiest way to get back in.
0: Yeah, is, and, is, and I would that say, did- yeah, I would, I would second that by saying, you want to do that through a fund, not with individual securities. Nobody has the time to follow individual stocks anymore. And when you look at the, the way that those I do. things actually,
3: <laughs> I disagree with you on that one, well, individually. Are
0: you retired?
3: No. I, I what, just,
0: what's the average price to sales ratio, the S&P 500?
3: Right now? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you don't have time. <laughs> well, if, I know if, if you didn't know that answer, that's like one of the first things that somebody that does this for a living takes a look at. The uh, so, but I,
3: hey, hey, Bill, I know the dividend yield on Kraft Heinz. <laughs>
0: yeah, and uh, how much is the uh, what is Kraft Heinz price to sales ratio?
3: Uh, I don't know.
0: Yep, that's what I'm talking about.
3: I know their price to book is under a one.
0: Yeah, but the assets on a book value, uh, actually, if you look at the especially a company that's been around has been around as long as they have, that book value is not going to be real accurate because they have properties that they've depreciated to zero. That are still on the balance sheet, which would help you, but they also have liabilities out there. When they go to sell something, the actual value, the liquidation value is going to be maybe 1, 10% of whatever they're carrying out on their books at. And that's a number that you really can't know that well. It, it's, they're, they're using generally accepted accounting principles, which have a lot of leeway. And, well, they
3: um, sold off a lot. Uh, you know what surprised me? Berkshire Hathaway sold off a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I I I'm I'm not surprised by that. Well, Warren Buffett doesn't do a lot of the investing there anymore. Um he's got a whole team of people that invest the money there. So, and Kraft Heinz was probably not even his idea. So, but he he takes the uh uh the blame for it as, you know, he's the CEO, he's taking responsibility. He he had to okay and I'm sure they had to run it past them. And the i the basic idea was good. Let's that, Get these two companies together, we can save some money, we can cut costs and you know, improve our profit margins. Well, you know, it just didn't work out that way. And that that's okay. That's the kind of stuff happen. That's it's called being in the stock market.
3: He owns uh eight billion dollars worth of it.
0: Yeah. The, um, uh, well, those guys have uh, hundreds of billions. Actually, I think Works or Hathaway's annual revenues would put them in the top fifteen percent of all countries. <laughs>
3: but um, <laughs> If, if people like dividends, the energy sector has really sold off, you know, and their dividends are sky high. I mean, the MLPs, not even the MLPs, Occidental, uh, Royal Dutch Shell, I mean, their dividends are through the roof.
0: Yeah, I've never been, just, I have exposure to that through these uh, ETFs I buy. I, I just I just like doing it that way rather than me trying to pick them out individually. Uh, it's just easier. You know, Heinz was 60 bucks. Everybody was all excited. You know, Warren Buffett's an investor it's at $24 today. The uh, Yeah, that's
3: and I, what I mean. With the 6% dividend. Yeah,
0: and by the way, that guy's, you know, he's got a huge long track record of, of of doing really well and hiring big people. The uh it's just I don't think the individual investors cut out for that. You know, they see their investment drop by seven, you know 65% or so and I just don't think they're going to have the uh, uh the guts to stick that out. And you know who knows? I mean, so many things have happened over time. I think you're just better off in the funds. The funds are—you can find a fund that'll do what you want it to do, but it's going to continuously manage that. And and Kraft Heinz, by the way, is in a lot of those funds, and you can bet that they've actually been buying on the way down because they've uh, because of how the fund is set up structurally, the mathematical formula. Right. And and as Heinz starts to go up they will actually start to shed some of those shares when they get to be too large of a percentage of that portfolio.
3: Right. And, but but uh, the thing about Kraft Heinz is it's generally speaking a defensive stock like Procter & Gamble. And even Procter & Gamble sold off. So, I, I was just su- taken aback by how defensive stocks sold off. Food tends to be defensive, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I'm not surprised because I, I've been watching the scans for About 30 years now. (laughs) And, and I'm telling you, people don't, when they, when they hear me say the average stock on the New York Stock Exchange has an average annual range of 50% a year, it goes in one ear and out the other. And average range, 50% a year. That's average for a stock that's listed on the premier stock exchange in the known universe. Yeah. So that I'm just not surprised. Volatility is huge, even in blue-chip stocks. And I've always known that. In fact, well, I haven't always known it. When I learned it was when I was about the oh, 18 months into this industry. Uh-huh. And I read where Warren Buffett and uh, I think it was uh, Peter Lynch's first book. He uh, uh, They said, yeah, the average range is 50% a year. I was like, what? And Warren Buffett said, hey, if you can't stand to see the value of your stocks drop by 50% or more, don't buy stocks. Right. I thought he was kidding. Right. <laughs> I right. literally thought he was kidding. So I went to my branch manager. I go, hey, is this true? He looks at it. He goes, oh, no, don't worry about that. He was afraid I wouldn't be able to sell anything. <laughs> oh,
2: man.
0: <laughs> and I go, it, and after a while, I you know, don't, don't you think people would probably do better if they knew what to expect rather than finding out, you know, after the fact? Yeah, but anyway, I hear the music. Yeah, Walter, thanks for calling. I hope you Take have a good it easy. weekend. And th- thanks everybody for listening. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every week every weekend, Saturday morning 11 to noon. Have a good week. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report.